Well, hello, hello, all you wonderful people. I got a special guest for you today. I got Chris Bell back in the building. I had him on the podcast a while back. We had an awesome conversation. I was super excited to get him back on today, and the conversation did not disappoint. We dive into a lot of different things. We talk about carnivore quite a bit. We talk about different diet manipulations with regard to high protein versus high fat. Uh, we talk about his his experience and history with making all the documentaries. We talk about business. We talk about life. We talk about everything. So sit back, relax. Hope you enjoy this amazing conversation with the one, the only, Chris Bell. Live, Chris Bell. How are you, man? I'm doing great, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to have you back on here. Last time you were on, we talked. Uh, I think you were just about to launch, or had just launched Leaf of Faith. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while, man. Uh, I've seen you though a couple times in person, which has been yeah. fun because I never actually met you. And so we first met at the Metabolic Health Summit um, mm-hmm. back in I think January, right? That's the first time I met you. And then I saw you again at uh, KetoCon, which was fun. Yeah, man, I've seen you several times. It seems here lately, but we gotta, we got, we gotta do some like hunting or something. I want to like see you outside of the conference setting. Like, we need to go lift together or hunt together, or something outside uh, of just the, I would the crazy. Love to, and I, I'd love to have you up to. Um, you know, we talked about it, and my brother is really excited about keto bricks too. So um, when I gave my brother those keto bricks. He was so pumped up, and he's like, "We got to get this guy up here." I'm like, "I know." So he wants to bring you and uh, and the wife up here to hang out with us and train with us. And I think you guys would have a great time, you know, up here. I think you guys would love it. I think you'd love Mark and his wife, and I think you guys are basically a younger version of that, you know. Mark, um, I call him Meathead Millionaire, and I think yeah. you're heading for the same the same direction, man. I, I'm really proud of you. I love what you do. I love your attitude. I love, um, you know, how like generous and cool you are with everybody. And, um, you know, I, I see a lot in the future for you. So when I'm telling Mark, like, Hey, this kid is like a young, you go, you know, get him out here. And, uh, what Mark does with a lot of people is he'll get you out here and he'll talk your head off about business and you'll probably go back all fired up <laughs> with a million hey, ideas, man. you know, and, or, and probably give him some as well. And I love it. You know, I, he just, I love it. He just had out here. He had a thing called, um, it was a meat here, meathead millionaire summit. And, um, he had like Dana Lynn Bailey and Rob Bailey and he had uh, Todd Abrams who owns icon meals. Um, just a bunch of people that are like really successful. There's like Bart Kwan who owns barbell brigade. Um, Steffi Cohen who owns hybrid with her husband. Uh, all that kind of stuff was like, it was really cool to, um, get all those people together. It was just a, a small group of like 10 people. And they all just sort of shared ideas and shared, you know, whatever. And Mark wants to make that a yearly thing, you know, and I think that that's really cool to Mark has been really uh, responsible for helping a lot of people like Chris Duffin and other people get into business, you know? So I I love that about him that he's always like looking to uh, forward other people's businesses too, not just his own. He's always looking like, how can I help other people uh, be successful in this, in this world? Because there's not a whole lot of people who lift weights and make money at it, you know? That speaks volumes, man. I mean, it, it's pretty cool. Like, I I love fitness. I love nutrition. That's a huge passion of mine. But business is, like, also a huge passion of mine. Like, and to be able to find a way to, to meld the two together and live your lifestyle in a way that also provides an income to be able to live off of is, like, the most rewarding thing because you can literally live and breathe your passion every day 
and not have to sacrifice. A lot of people, I feel like they they segment their lives and like, okay, this this is my my day job, this is my hobby, this is my X Y Z. But I feel like when you do that, we have all these unrelated things. Nothing really reaches its true full potential because it's always being pulled and distracted from. Exactly, you know, and I think that um, you know, it's like. Yeah, like for me, I'm, I'm an old guy, you know, I'm used to like, I make my documentaries, I put them out, you know, and wait for the feedback and blah, blah, you know, whatever. And, um, I, I've seen with Mark that, uh, having a product is really important and having a business is really important because for me, I have these big lulls in between my, my jobs, you know, like I'll mm-hmm. make a movie and then it's like, you gotta start the process all over again. And so even I'm now looking for like, well, what businesses can I get into? You know, I'm looking more now at like trying to um, make businesses happen or make things happen for myself uh, in the business world because I know that that will fund, you know, uh, it'll, it'll basically just fund everything that I want to do. And all I really want to do now is just help people get healthy, you know, and, um, you know, it's, it's weird because I've always been a filmmaker and my goal, my, my mindset has always been like just on the movies. But to tell you mm-hmm. the truth, making documentaries wears you down. It's not it's not easy. Um, raising the money is the hardest part and the worst part. And um, I'm kind of sick of it. Like, I don't I don't really like doing it. Um, I like making the movies, but it's not it's not easy. And even listening to Joe Rogan's podcast with Ed Norton the other day just like reassured me that I'm not crazy. You know, um, Ed Norton is a huge actor, was in Fight Club. He's been in the Hulk. You know, he's been in all these movies. And he was talking about how hard it was for him to raise, you know, $7 million to go make this movie that he just made, you know? And you're like, he had a hard time raising $7 million. Like how? He's world famous. Everybody knows him, you know? And um, even like Steven Spielberg has spoken at USC talking about how hard it is for him to raise money. And you look at all these guys going, because nobody wants to put their money in the movies. It's very risky, you know? And so for me, I have to look for other outlets and that's kind of like what I'm doing now. I'm still going to make films, but I'm kind of like looking at other things so that I'm not broke in the meantime of trying to make movies, you know? I am totally ignorant to the movie industry, but I look at what like Netflix is doing, for instance, and they're having these Netflix original films that are coming out with like, you know, notable actors and actresses. And like they've yeah. got the, the constant subscription income coming in from, you know, the Netflix subscription. So I feel like they're doing something right for sure. Yeah. And what they do is they rip off all the filmmakers. So just like Netflix has a subscription, I feel like if you have a movie on Netflix, you should be getting a cut of all those subscriptions. Like everybody should be getting, you know, when, when your movie gets watched, you should get, you know, a couple cents, just like YouTube or anything else. And my movie has been viewed, you know, over 20 million times on Netflix. So um, I don't know, just do the math. It's like, I, I haven't gotten a penny from my movie from bigger, stronger, faster being on Netflix, not one cent from it being on Netflix, you know, I did. So, know that. that's um, crazy. I don't know. Pe- people think I make a lot of money off these movies. I, I've literally made, I'm probably net, you know, negative a hundred thousand dollars from making these movies because every time I make these movies and, and sell them, like I'm always putting my own money back into the movies, you know? And so um, I give a lot more than I get out of it. So you know, ne- you never really make a whole lot. I pay myself pretty well when I make them because I know mm-hmm. you're not going to make much on the back end. So like I'll raise a bunch of money and I'll have a salary and um, that only lasts so long, you know? Um, and then you got to start over again, you know? So it's kind of a difficult, difficult business model. And hopefully, you know, 
well, I've been figuring it out more and more as I go along, but it's not easy. You know, it's not something that's really easy to do, but when you want to do something great, it's going to be hard. You know, it's just like having a business or anything else. So I'm not really complaining. Just is what it is. You know, it's difficult. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a whole nother realm that comes with being in business for yourself, regardless of what industry you're in, whether it be film or nutrition or totally something unrelated to any of that. It's like when you, when you basically reap what you sow, I mean, you gotta, you gotta be strategic and you gotta realize that there's no safety net. I mean, you're going to sink or swim like, and they're going to learn, learn pretty quick one way or the other, what it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, uh, you know, it's a little, sometimes I think like, um, you know, it's hard for me to switch gears. You know, it's hard for me to like, even like YouTube, for example, like YouTube came along my brother started making YouTube videos in 2006 and uh, YouTube came along and I'm like, well, he's just throwing videos up there. He's not even, you know, doing anything. And then he started making videos and they started editing his videos a little bit um, and things like that. And by like 2010, he had a full like YouTube channel going. And I'm thinking like, this is going to go nowhere. Where's that going to go? You know? And literally that's how he made all his money is like being on YouTube, um, preaching the message of fitness on YouTube, uh, getting a big following and have people buy the slingshot and buy his products. And so um, while he was ahead of the game, I'm an old man, you know, I just turned 47. I'm kind of behind the game. And I was thinking like, oh, YouTube's worthless. Now I'm like, YouTube's everything, you know, Instagram's everything. And, um, you know, a lot of people will be in business. and like, I don't do social media. It's like, well, you're missing half the boat, you know? And uh, I meet a lot of people, a lot of people, um, the, the good thing is for me, a lot of people team up with me because I have a pretty, pretty good social media following. So I get to team up with a lot of people that, that aren't good at it and sort of help, you know, with their products and, and do some stuff, be able to make some money off of like products I love. For example, like I, I do a lot of stuff with Piedmontese beef, right? And mm-hmm. so like that doesn't make me any money really, but it gets me a lot of free beef. And I love, uh, you know, I love the brand. I love the beef. And it's really easy for me to just go on and post about it and literally have a freezer full of the best beef in the world, you know, year round. That to me is a pretty good deal. You know, so, um, yeah, like I, I work with other people in other ways to, you know, figure out how we can optimize that stuff. Yeah, it's funny, man, like so much of social media, like the YouTube, the Instagram, there's not really a direct payout from that. I mean, you're not really getting a direct monetary gain from, you know, your subscriber count or your watch time, really. I mean, some people are if you get like massive followings, but I think I get like 200 bucks a month, maybe from YouTube. So like, I'm not a big YouTube yeah. star by any means, but the the power of it is that you have a platform to you know pull the curtain back and show people behind the scenes of what you're doing and they they get involved in that they want to follow the journey and be a part of it and then there's like a conversation there and that conversation gives you a platform of which to you know show them what you're doing and what's available exactly. to them and that's, and that's how keto brick yeah. became a thing like people were seeing the behind the scenes the whole way for, through you know what i love about your business about keto brick it's like um it's such a good product that you don't need like what's beautiful about it is like, and it's kind of like the slingshot and it's kind of like our Kratom product called mind bullet. The product itself sells itself. So when I, when you give it to me, I become a salesman, like even not trying, like I've never made any money from uh, keto bricks, but you've sent me a bunch of free keto bricks, which I love. And, um, but to me, the uh, you know, the real thing is like, I want to help other people. So how can I help other people get to their goal? Well, I post a keto brick and I tell people how I use it in my diet, right? 
it's advertising for you, but it's also giving me content to provide value to my followers. So I think like everybody wins, you know, um, I don't, what, what I don't see in, in social media, a lot of, um, there, I'm sure there, there's a lot of them out there, but I see a lot of people in the fitness world, like really only advertising products that they really like and people that I like and people that I trust, I'm pretty sure that all the stuff that they're advertising is like, cause they really love it. And you can really tell when somebody's like sponsored by somebody and it's totally fake and it's, you know, set up and, you know, you can, you can kind of tell rather than when somebody just posts like, Hey man, I just tried this keto brick and I thought it was awesome. You know, I think there's a, there's a difference in the, the posting style and the way it's done. And, you know, you can't always oh, tell, but for the most part you can, you know, that that's honestly like the main reason I haven't gone the whole, you know, standard affiliate based approach where like everybody gets a discount code and there's like a 10% off and then you share this code. I mean, I feel like that just dilutes the quality of the product, but then it also dilutes the conversation that people are having because if they feel like they're obligated or, you know, vested to, to say something and throw in a code, it just like, it's not as sincere, you know? Yeah. I, I kind of don't like the code thing either. And I know it encourages people to buy stuff and we do it on uh, some of our stuff. And definitely like encourages people to buy stuff, but at the same time, it's like, like you said, it's, it dilutes things, you know, and I, you know, it's, but you know, then again, people always want a deal, right? They always yeah. want something for, for cheaper or want something better. But you know, it, the bottom line is like, it costs money to make keto bricks. It costs money to make these products and they're good products and people should pay, you know, it's like, you don't go, you don't walk into a store and be like, Hey man, I got a code for this Gatorade. Give me some money off. Or, you know, you don't, you don't like walk into a store asking them for a deal. You know, you just go in and pay what it's, what it is, you know? And I wish that the internet and supplement business was more like that where people just saw something that was good to just buy it. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, it definitely dilutes things and it definitely, um, you know, it makes it harder to figure out who's really telling the truth about what they like and what they don't. Um, but I always just go by like, if I like the person and I know the person and they're, you know, advertising something that I probably would like, I'll, you know, usually go try it. And most of the stuff that I try or I find out about, I just find out about them on Instagram. You know, it's, it's a great outlet for, for this diet and for, um, you know, for a keto diet or a carnivore diet or any diet for that matter. You just go on and search hashtags and you can find anything related to ketogenic diet related to carnivore diet and what i love is all these products that have come out like if you were trying to do a ketogenic diet like i was back in 1995 there was no keto bricks you know there was yeah. no there was barely mct oil it was impossible to find mct oil on the market it was impossible to find coconut oil back then and so i was always hunting things down i had to go to like a health food store to find coconut oil back in the day for my keto diet because i didn't sell it at a regular grocery store now it's everywhere yeah, it is crazy how it's evolved, man. And that's a good thing in the sense that, you know, more knowledge is out there, more people are familiar with the diet, more people are getting into it, more people are healthier as a result of it. But it's kind of like a double-edged sword because you're getting a lot of people that are coming in, a lot of companies coming in to really capitalize on that that buzz of keto, and they're starting to make these shoddy products and throw them out there and have, like, these just gimmicky here's, marketing techniques. And here's the problem, and this goes back to a post <laughs> – caused some controversy i remember um i remember like louise posted something about like hey if you want to get lean don't eat keto bricks or and shit like that right but i think like <laughs> that's a wrong guided and i love louise and i know you know 
he's a great guy, but like, I think that's a, a misguided thing because I think like out of all the products that like keto bricks, one of the good guys, right? I would say like, yeah, a lot of these cookies and a lot of these fat snacks and, and other different things, um, you know, they, they, they use uh, ingredients that aren't conducive for you getting lean, you know? And I think like a, a keto brick doesn't really fit into that, into that category. Right. So like lumping all like, Hey, to say, don't eat any keto products. Like, yeah, all those keto products, just get rid of them. I don't think that's a good thing to tell people, you know, um, it's just like any other food. You got to pick and choose what's going to be good for your diet and pick and choose what's going to be good for you and go by like what the ingredients are, not necessarily by like, is it a single ingredient food or not? You know, that's a great rule of thumb. Like, Hey, if something just has one ingredient, you know, like a steak is a steak and an egg is an egg. Um, but a keto brick is cacao butter and, you know, several other things. That's okay. As long as each individual ingredient by itself is okay. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So like, but then when they lump a bunch of like almond flour and other things in there that can throw your diet off, that's what we have to warn people about. So when I tell people not to eat, you know, hey, don't eat all those keto snacks out there. What I really mean is, um, and I don't, I don't usually actually say that, but I just say, you know, if you want keto snacks, do the same thing that you do with your food. Look at the ingredients, make sure the ingredients are what you're looking for, because, you know, some of them can throw you off, but also some of them are very good. And I have to say, the ones that are very good are few and far in between. Uh, something I just tried recently. I don't know if you've tried these carnivore snacks. Oh, they're um, delicious. Have you seen those? Yeah, I love them. Those are, those are fucking awesome. Those are so good. And um, it's just basically they take um, meat, they chop it up really, really thin, and they, um, I don't know, kind of like, it feels like it's like freeze-dried or something. There's some technique to it, but basically they're like steak potato chips. And they're yeah, they're, so they're delicious. And she sent like, me a so bag good. and I ate the whole bag in like five minutes, man. The pork they, ones I think are my favorite. They sent me a bunch of bags of them and um, I brought them to Hawaii with me and Dr. Baker kept stealing them from me. Because, <laughs> you know, he was like, man, these things are good. And uh, he didn't have anything else. You know, he didn't bring anything with him. So he kept kind of grabbing some for me. And, um, you know, and I'm glad to share them because they are they're really good, man. And it's just some such a simple uh, product, you know, and it, it just it is what it says it is. It's like, hey. I'm on carnivore. And what I like about carnivore snacks is actually you can eat like four or five of those and you're kind of full. Yeah. You know, like they're big because it's like a full slice of, uh, you know, it's a thin slice of beef, but it's like a full, you know, slice. And so that's great. You can you can kind of eat, you know, eat a big portion of it. And what's cool is like like Sylvia, I had her on the podcast and she's super cool. I actually had a call with her yesterday. And I was trying to help her with some of the packaging options she could use for the carnivore snacks. The cool thing is that the people that are in the space that have a truly great product and are in the space for the right reasons, not just to make a quick buck and get out, like everybody bands together and tries to help one another. And that is, that's like awesome, man. Like I'm happy to be a part of that community. Exactly. It's like, you know, like I was so excited to, to like ask you about like if you're going to make peanut butter, you know, just because like I wanted to know for myself. You know, and then you made the peanut butter ones. I'm like, yes, this is great. You know, and it's like, I always have ideas for people because I always, I always like, I want the stuff for myself. You know, yeah. I'm, always, I'm always asking people like, hey, you should do this or you should do that because it's like, you know, I want to help these people make better products so I can use them. You know, that's like we, we got a, I'm working. We got a couple of new flavors up our sleeves that we're working on right now that I think I think you'll like for sure. That's great, man. Yeah, and I'm I'm working on some stuff. 
you know, with some friends of mine just because I like it. And so like one of my friends has a uh, pecan butter company. It's like the mm-hmm. best thing I've ever tried, but his pecan butter, he's a chef. So he uses like maple syrup. So it's like maple syrup, pecans, and a couple other like spices he puts in there. It's one of the best things I've ever had, you know, and it's not really keto, but it's kind of keto friendly. So I was like, Hey, let's just pull the sugar out of there and let's, um, you know, let's fix that. So we pulled the sugar out. We used some different sweeteners. It tastes just as good. And so, um, we're going to, well, I'm going to have him put it out and then I'm going to, I'm going to work with him on like marketing it and, you know, hopefully making some money off of it. But like the main thing is like just having another product that's really good on the market that people can use along with their diet. Pecans only have one gram of carbs in them. So they're great for what we're doing, you know? And um, I mainly do a carnivore diet, but I get sick of eating meat and I always want something else. And, you know, like originally peanut butter was made as a meat substitute. So why not have some sort of really low carb nut butter that sort of works as the same thing? It's not going to be a meat substitute per se because it doesn't have, um, you know, it doesn't have the protein in it. But it's mm-hmm. like, it's just like, hey, what am I going to eat instead of meat right now for some calories? It's like grab a little thing of nut butter, smash that, and you'll be full for a while. I want, I want to ask you about that, man, because like carnivore obviously is super hot right now, and you see a lot of people go in that direction. I I don't consider myself a carnivore. I consider myself carnivoresque because I can say, you know, 100% that I'm strict keto, have been so for five years, but I'm I'm not strict carnivore. Like I'll go off and I'll have obviously the keto bricks. I eat one of those every day, and I'll like randomly have, you know, like a salad once in a blue moon, but I feel like a lot of people in the space, they're, they're kind of like trying to figure out, you know, if, if they're going to have more benefit from being strict carnivore versus a little bit more flexible with it. I mean, I look at carnivore as like a subset of keto, basically. Like, I don't feel like they have to compete for one another. So what's your whole take on that versus like just diehard strict carnivore versus having some yeah, of this variety? In you there? know, what's, what's funny is like when I first started doing keto about, so I first started doing keto a long time ago, like back in 1995, Mark and I did it, you know, and, and, um, I even did a carnivore diet way back then, um, where I just ate red meat and water. I was at gold's gym and I was a fat power lifter and I was 245 pounds. And, uh, my trainer, Ron Fedco, I was training with Ron Fedco and Michael Hearn. A lot of people know who Michael Hearn is and -hmm. Michael Hearn has always been ripped and shredded and always has looked amazing, you know? And, um, so I'm training with him and this other guy, Ron Fedco, who was like a complete lunatic power lifter. And Ron just said to me, like, you're too fat. You need to lose weight. Like, he was very blunt about it. And I said, well, you know, I was like 23 years old or 22 or something. I was like, I don't know how. I don't know how to do that. And he's like, well, just eat red meat and water. And then he kind of walked away. It was like, that was it. And I was like, what is he talking about? And so, uh, you know, I went to, like, get more information about it. He's like, there's no more information to give you. Eat red meat, drink water. Like, whatever <laughs> red meat you want. Just there's what, uh, what, do you, what else do you need to know? And then... He's like, I don't even want to see you chewing a stick of gum for the next two weeks. Just do that. And I had a competition coming up in two weeks. And I was like, all right, you know, what actually was like, actually was more like four weeks, I think, because I did it for four weeks. And I went from like, I was like 242, I think. um, And I was going to compete at 242. And then I went down under 220. I think I weighed in at like 219 and I won the meet and I was stronger. And I was like, that's crazy. You know, like, how did that happen? You know, I was stronger. Um, I looked a lot better. I felt a lot better. Um, I could still lift. You know, everybody thought I was going to lose all my muscle, lose all my strength. Um, but I just ate a ton of red meat. And uh, then I did, you know, so then I continued on that for another, 
you know, three months and I went down to the next weight class down, which was, uh, was 198, you know, and that was sort of my first venture into this whole, you know, keto and carnivore uh, movement. And then, um, what I realized was like, so then, then like life happened and got in the way. And, uh, I went through a lot of stuff. I went through a double hip replacement surgery, you know, a month after my double hip replacement surgery, my older brother died. Uh, a month after that, I was addicted to painkillers and, you know, and so on and so on. And it just sort of went, was going downhill from there. But when I got sober, I decided like, you know, what I need to get back on track is like a diet. And so I went back to keto because keto had always worked. And uh, Mark and I just said, hey, we know what works best. Just launch a war on carbs. And so we kind of made that up as a joke, you know, like the war on drugs. Hey, the war on drugs didn't work, but the war on carbs does, you know, <laughs> let's go mm -hmm. do that. And so we, we just kind of jokingly made this like war on carbs. And Mark and I talk about this all the time. We're like, isn't it interesting that we went from like, okay, the war on carbs. And then we had to explain to like everybody in the world, you know, cause people come down on you like crazy, like Lane Norton, but like, bro, carbs aren't bad for you. You know, and I'm like, look, I know they're not bad for you. But what I'm saying is if you launch a war on carbs, it's a mindset. It's like me versus carbs. And if you launch a war on carbs, there's no 98%. There's no, you know, it's just a war on carbs. You're having no carbs as low as you can go. You know, um, a couple are going to slip in here and there, you know, um, maybe through a thing like a keto brick or whatever. But you give yourself a certain allowance. You say, hey, as long as there's no, you know, no more than like five carbs per serving or whatever, right? Um, but literally like launching that war on carbs and sticking to it was what really sort of helped me in the beginning. So I did that and I was doing pretty good, but I was actually following, you know, keto and I was, uh, actually Jimmy Moore was one of the per people that helped me the most in the beginning because I never was doing keto. Right. So when I had done keto in the past, I was following like, um, actually I had done keto right in the past, but it was so crazy. I don't know if you ever heard of Dan Duchesne's body opus diet. Yeah, but yeah. Mark and I did that way back in the day, and that was like a crazy version of keto. And we did that for like a little while, but we couldn't really last on that very long because it was it's really difficult to do. So we did do that. We got into ketosis a couple times, but I wanted to be in ketosis like more long term. So I'd like talk to Dom D'Agostino. I called him. Uh, luckily, because I did like bigger, stronger, faster. A lot of people take my phone calls. They know who I am. And so when I called Dom, he knew who I was. He took my phone call. Talked to me forever, told me he was in ketosis for like seven years. And I said, that's it. That's that's what I need to do. I need to go in, and he's in great shape. I need to go in ketosis. So I did keto, right? And I did that for like about a year and I got really, really lean. Um, I mean, oh, I, I got, I lost, I shouldn't say got lean. I lost a lot of weight, but I was kind of skinny fat. Like I didn't mm -hmm. look good at all. And everything still hurt really bad. Like I was still was in a lot of pain. And um, I was eating like gigantic salads every day. Uh, I was shitting my pants every day, basically, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, not good. You know, I was, I was just eating these big salads and, and I was making a bunch of keto. Like I was guilty of making all the keto stuff. You know, I made keto cheesecake and keto pizza. And I did all that stuff for like a little while. And then I switched to a more, um, more of a keto that was like more whole food based. And I did that for a while, but I was still kind of skinny fat. And um, I was in the middle of doing a bunch of interviews because I was actually trying to do a movie, a documentary about keto. So I was going around like interviewing a bunch of people about the ketogenic diet. And I interviewed pretty much everybody known to man about the ketogenic diet. And uh, 
in that process, I met Dr. Sean Baker. I was actually at Gold's Gym and I was hanging out and uh, my training partner came in and he said, hey, did you hear this crazy guy, Joe Rogan? He just eats meat. And I, as soon as he said that, like that, for some reason that sparked something in my brain. I'm like, that's not crazy at all. I used to do that. Like right away, I was like, yeah, I remember doing that. I think it's great. I'm like, but he, he does it long-term. I'm like, I've never heard anybody, you know, doing it long-term. And he's like, oh, no, no, he's been doing it for like a year. And so I immediately like went home that day, listened to that Rogan episode. I immediately got on Twitter, tweeted Sean Baker, um, called him that day, spoke with him. And I said, hey, look, I'm doing this movie on keto and I would love for you to be in it. And I said, but, you know, I want to try your diet before I do it, uh, before I interview you. So he was going to be interviewed in like two weeks coming up, you know, so I was going to do the diet for two weeks. And he's like, well, you should do it for more than two weeks, but that's a good start, you know. So uh, Sean Baker came to Sacramento, came to my brother's gym, sat down and interviewed him. And like right when I was as I was talking, I'm like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. Like This guy knows something that I think a lot of other people don't know. Um, he just he just had it down in his head, like the whole the whole reason why he does it, what it does for you, everything. And so um, I started on a carnivore diet. When I did the carnivore diet really strict, uh, it worked really, really well. But I got to a point where I was just kind of like getting sick of it. I'm like, I don't know if I can hang in there anymore. So I asked Dr. Yeah. Baker, could I eat some fruit? And he said, you know what? That's a good choice. Out of everything you'd pick, he's like, I think fruit is the most in line with our physiology. Um, you know, rather than uh, than just eating meat, you could have meat and fruit. So I started doing like meat and fruit. And I did that for about, um, I don't know, I did that for like maybe like six months. And I got in really good shape. But then after a while, I was like, you know what? I don't need, I don't think I need this fruit anymore. I just didn't need it anymore. So I got rid of the fruit and I went back to carnivore. But then when I went back to carnivore, I kept failing because I didn't have anything else to subside me. So right. <laughs> full circle went back to what I call the war on carbs. And so I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to eat as much meat as I can every single day, like 90% meat. And then the other 10% is going to be things like, if I want some MCT, you know, I love like perfect keto makes like MCT powder. I throw it in my coffee. You know, if I want something like that, I can have that. If I want um, some nut butter, you know, that's low in carbs, I can have that. If I want some nuts or seeds, I can have that. But, but like really, really low carb, high fat, you know, and, uh, and that was it. So that was kind of my only, only rules was to keep the carbs, you know, really way down. And that's where I think I found the most success where it was just like a simple thing. Like I'm not eating fruit anymore. Um, you know, but if something comes along and I feel like I want it, I would just have it. But for the most part, it's mainly like, like now it's just like meat and then like anything that's like low carb or keto along with it. So it's like a, I'd say I'm in the same realm as you. It's mostly meat. And then like, like a keto brick that's keto brick is, is, uh, you know, approved by me <laughs> for, for everyday use. You know, because if you think about it, think about this, Robert, you, you look at like your calories, right? So here's how I look at it. I eat this Piedmontese beef. It's like 70 grams of protein per steak. There's only like two or three grams of fat in them. They're really low fat, but they're so juicy and tender because of the type of cow that it is, like the the type of, of uh, meat you'll, you won't find in any other uh, animal on earth. Basically, it's super tender because it's got this double muscling, right? It's really interesting meat. And so it tastes really good. Everything tastes like a filet mignon, 
but it's not, it doesn't have the fat. So people are like, oh, there's no way that that's good without the fat. It is amazing without the fat. And when I eat, so I'll, I'll have like two of those a day with a keto brick. And then think about that. That's a, what a great combo. You know, you have like 150 grams of protein and then you have like 100 grams of fat. You know, it's like, okay, perfect. You know, between the steak and the keto brick, you got 100 grams of fat. Like that makes up a whole day of eating. And it's a sort of a perfect um, ratio. And what does a keto brick do at night? Keto brick is amazing. Like I'll eat it like sort of around seven o'clock at night or something instead of eating dinner. And to me, that provides like a lot of energy but also just like, it's a treat. It's like, man, I get to eat this whole thing now. <laughs> it's almost like, like I'm pigging out at night eating a keto brick. You know, I, I don't do that every day. Um, obviously I don't have an endless supply of keto bricks, but if I did, I probably would do it every day. You know, I, I think that, um, I, I think stuff like that is good and it keeps you on track. And it's like, like I said, go back to what Dr. Baker says, the nutritional value of something that you don't like is zero. And the nutritional value of things that you do like um, that are that are good for you is is amazing because that's where that's how you'll get to your results. You know, eat a lot of what you like. Hundred percent, man. Good for you. Could not agree more. And so, like for me, it's a full circle to the war on carbs, which is kind yeah, of funny yeah. because I came I came back to what I what I originally did, and you know, even listening to your um, your podcast with Jimmy Moore about the carb ups, I'm in mm -hmm. total agreement with you, man. I don't think people need carbs at all, really. Uh, totally agree. And I don't, I'm not like a zealot about it. I'm not going to say don't eat carbs. Like a zealot is saying, don't do this, don't do that. You know, you can only do this and all. And I know there's other ways. But what I'm saying is like, we've seen a cascade of disease and problems come from carbohydrates. It's like, why are you messing with them? You know, you don't need them. If you're in great shape and great health, maybe you can mess with them. But if you're not, just stay away. And honestly, even if you are in great shape and great health, there's no benefit that I've found in messing with them. Like I've, I've dove deep into this, man. Like I've looked at all the, the data, all the research, and like I cannot find one study that has a truly adapted. They do all these studies with like people that aren't even adapted to ketosis, and they obviously don't perform as well as people that are eating carbs because they'll take them and put them in a keto diet for two weeks. But like there's no study that I've found of somebody that's been adapted for a significant amount of time and then not as performed as well as someone that's that's taking me, carbs. Let me ask you a question because I believe this, but I also believe I might be crazy and I might be the only one that believes it. So I think that um, the reason why we haven't seen like, because people say, well, if carnivore works so good or if keto works so good, how come we haven't seen like a pro bodybuilder do it? And like, I think the reason is like, you just can't eat enough calories to get that damn big, you know, to get as big as you or you or I are, it's like, that's different than being, you know, 260 pounds of muscle, you know? Um, so I just think that it hasn't happened yet because nobody's done it yet. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody's been like, a, like we haven't seen somebody who's like started lifting at 16, doing like a carnivore diet, eating a lot of meat, already maybe a big guy, you know, and eating, you know, eating the right amount. It's like, I think it's too hard for people to get up to that weight, you know, and up to that size without some sort of like carbohydrate load. Now I know carbohydrates do, don't do anything to actually build muscle. Um, but maybe with like the holding of the water and, and the different things. So are you like, I am where you think like in the future we will see this. Cause I, I do, 
I just don't know. You know, people think I'm crazy. Like, well, we've never seen a bodybuilder do it. We've never seen, you know, professional athletes using this. I just think, like, it's just another thing that hasn't been done yet, really. Like, let me put it like this. Like, if you were to take any one of the, like, elite-level IFBB pros that you see on the Olympia stage today, and if you were to, mm-hmm. like, backtrack their years, 20, 30 years, however long they've been eating and training as a bodybuilder, and you were to put them on a ketogenic diet, and that was the only variable you changed, and they were still taking in the steroids they're taking in, they were still taking in the calories they're taking in, they're still taking in, the, they're, they're still doing the training that they've been doing. I don't feel like their performance would be suffered, would hinder at all. I feel like they would still be elite-level elite Olympians. What, about, what do you think about muscle? Um, what do you think about the uh, muscle, uh, you know, the like muscle building as far as being big? You know, like, do you think Ronnie Coleman, you know, obviously, like, I think if Ronnie Coleman was on, you know, went from his Olympia shape to eating carnivore and ate a lot of meat, I think he would stay the same. But um, do you think you can get there? Yeah, you know, on a I definitely diet? think you can get there. I feel like you just haven't seen it yet. Well, I mean, for me, I've been doing this for five years, and I don't feel like I would have gained any more muscle had I been doing carbs for that five-year period. I just don't have the genetics to be 280 pounds at four percent body fat you know that's just not me i don't yeah. have the 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 my, performance enhancing drugs or the genetics said something really really interesting uh we're really good friends with stan efforting right mm-hmm. and stan efforting was talking about like hypertrophy training and stuff and um mark's like you know i was like hey that's interesting what he said mark's like yeah but think about it he's like we've known stan forever when's the last time he got bigger he's like he's yeah. not really ever getting bigger like you never see him get bigger so is he what he's saying for hypertrophy work when you're 50, you know, he's like, yeah, you could still put on muscle, but it's like, you know, it's like a centimeter at a time, not, you know, an inch at a time, like it is when you're young. And so I, I thought about that. I'm like, you know what? You're kind of right. Like I don't see, I, I see. And so what Mark said is like, he's like, I feel like people have their formative years and like in their formative years. And I thought back to like my own life and it's like, yeah, you lift for like five years and you kind of build up, a bunch of muscle like five to eight years in the beginning and then things just like really slow to a halt for like everybody and it goes really slow from then on you know so that's what i i think like what you're saying is like if we saw somebody in their formative years those first five to eight and doing a carnivore keto diet like what would that bring us you know and i think you're right i think we would get maybe to the same spot as long as the calories were the same yeah and honestly man like like you're still making very small changes the more muscle maturity you have, the more of a seasoned lifter you are. You're not going to get those newbie gains anymore. Like, you have to really work for any incremental improvements you have. But what well, I'm excited now about... Now it's vascularity. It's like a new thing. Yeah. Like, that's exciting. Yeah, like, the vascularity is huge. <laughs> um, but, like, what I'm excited about is that I know, like, from a long-term health standpoint, following a ketogenic protocol is far superior to, you know, the the flexible dieting, it fits your macros, just eating a bunch of carbs. And... I'm excited to be able to sustain this lifestyle well into my, you know, for that the rest of my life. And I'll be 80 years old still following keto. And that compounded with the very small, minuscule improvements I make for my training. I mean, I'm going to be looking damn good when I'm 93 years old, man. You just wait. It's It's amazing to me that people would want to count calories and that people would want to, you know, that they would want to do that. Like I... It's like, you know, I tell people, well, you don't have to. And they're like, yeah, but I do. And I get to eat whatever I want. I'm like, well, good for you. 
you're going to run into problems with that anyway, because we know that when you eat whatever you want, there are damages that occur. Um, but at the same time, like, I can't picture wanting to do that. Like, I, I just don't know. I mean, maybe my life is so different, but I'm like, who has time for like putting something, entering everything you eat into an app? Like it must, it must just drive you crazy because what it's doing is reinforcing that like I'm owned by food. I'm owned by food. I'm owned by food. I'm owned by food. And I'm owned by my fucking phone, you know? And it's like back and forth, food, phone, food, phone, addiction, 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 dopamine, dopamine, you know, like back and forth. And you're like, that's all you're doing all day. Whereas like you're on keto carnivore, you don't even care. <laughs> you know, somebody's like, you want to eat? You're like, eh, maybe. Totally. You know what I totally. mean? Like it's just a different, it's a different world, you know? And I'll, I'll track my macros to the T when I'm like going through a competition prep like I am right now. But I feel like what everybody's end goal should be is to, to get to a point in life where they like the food they're eating. It's, it's sustainable from like a enjoyment standpoint. But they've they've reset their metabolism, their hormones at healthy intake. They're able to maintain a healthy intake of, of food, be in tune enough with their body to know when they're truly hungry, truly full, and just eat quality, wholesome food to satisfy that need. And then you can get to live it. You can start living instead of being fixated on the things that that don't really matter in the grand scheme of life. You know, it's great. It's like I had, the guy, uh, Rick, who I just went out to see in Hawaii, um, he had a great comment. He said he has a pre-made bacon that he keeps in his refrigerator. And um, he goes over to the fridge, and he's got kids, so he's got to, like, avoid all the kid food, you know, that's in the house. Um, but his kids eat pretty good for the most part. But he opens up the the refrigerator, and he says, are you hungry or are you munchy? He's like, if I look at that bacon and I don't want to eat it, I know that I'm just munchy. If I look mm -hmm. at it and I'm hungry, I'll have a couple pieces of bacon. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great rule. Like, are you munchy or are you hungry? And when you learn what real hunger is, there's a different, like, I think we always just think like, oh, it's noon, I got to eat. It's this time I got to eat. You know, we're just so used to that, that, you know, really knowing what real hunger is, is really important in, you know, when we eat. And I also think eating less, you know, Mark and I have had several people follow us on Instagram that have lost over 150 pounds. There's three guys that I know of right now that have lost over 150 pounds, right? And those three guys, um, they all did the same thing. They basically eat twice a day and they don't waver from that. They don't snack. And that's sort of like a Mark thing. Like my brother, Mark, he always, he just says like, hey, I realize like, you know, people do OMAD, but I want to build some muscle. So I think it's better to eat twice a day. I just eat twice a day and that's it. And that's kind of all these guys have changed, you know, and they lost so much weight. I mean, they've, they're mostly like keto carnivore. Um, but even even like one guy wasn't even like keto or carnivore. He just did like intermittent fasting and ate twice a day and lost over 150 pounds as following me and Mark. So there's several ways to do it. Um, I just think it's it's interesting that if you just literally limit the amount of times you eat, and we know that the amount of times can be, you know, can be two, you know, maybe more, but I think just probably two is is perfect. Because it gives you like enough time to eat, enough time to, um, you know, increase protein muscle synthesis. So as long as those eating periods are like a couple hours apart, you're good. And then um, and then that's it for the day. You know, and I think most people can uh, sustain that for the rest of their life. You know, I don't think that's a hard thing to do. And, it, you know, think about it. It saves you money. It saves, you know, it, it, everything. It does. It does everything. It helps the environment. 
the less that we eat, the, the better, the healthier we are, the healthier the planet is, you know? Totally agree, man. I mean, I eat two meals a day like clockwork. I, I don't eat more than that. I mean, if I'm really low on calories at the end of a prep, I'll eat one meal a day. But I feel like eating two meals a day, you're able to really capitalize on, you know, having that frequency for muscle building purposes. And then you're having that, I mean, I pushed my first meal back to later in the day. So I'm having a pretty significant fasting period early in the morning. Uh, so I'm really kind of capitalizing on that fat loss. But and it, and it yeah, and to tell you the truth, that's something that I'm still like working on myself. Like, just so everybody's aware, and I, I think that this is the key to helping people. I'm very vulnerable. You know, I tell everybody everything. You know, I tell everybody everything I'm doing. And um, one of the problems I have is like shutting things down at night. So I'm working yeah. on it. Like I'm working on like how do I at a certain point just shut off the food? And I live by myself and I'm single. So it's easy to do whatever you want. You know, like I could just kind of go off the rails, not tell anybody and do whatever I want. But how do I shut it down at night? not be hungry, you know, and it's, it's usually like, it's not a, um, has nothing to do with being hungry. It's all mental. It's all in my head. It's like when I'm at home and I'm by myself and the TV's on, you're just used to eating stuff. You know, you're just, you're used to that. So, uh, for me to work on these things and tell people that I'm still working on it, I think opens them up to be like, Oh, okay. This is not so easy, you know, because I think a lot of people will just say what they do. And they say it like it's no problem. They're like, yeah. like people do OMAD and like, yeah, I eat once a day and I just eat meat. And I'm like, uh, okay, like how do you do that? Like I would be starving, you know, like no matter what I ate, no matter what meat it was, no matter, like I just couldn't eat. I can't, I think because we are all different in a way um, to the point where like I can't eat that much at one time. So I don't get full enough, you know, other people can down 3000 calories at once. I just, I can't do that. So you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit different for me. And so I think that it's, it's good to let, to be honest about like what you're doing and let people know what you actually do rather than like what you read about or what, you know, it's easy to listen to a podcast and regurgitate the information as correct and say like, yeah, eat nose to tail, eat liver, eat this, eat that. And like, but you're not doing it, you know? And I tell everybody like, Hey, look, I'm eating liver now. I ate liver, raw liver every day for a month. And I told people I'm doing this for a month see if it gives me any benefit after a month i didn't really see or feel any benefit so i took it out of the diet i've actually not had liver uh since then you know and that was about two months ago and i kind of feel the same and i don't know if it has all these crazy benefits that we talk about um it may and it may not i haven't you know haven't like checked it out in blood work or anything but i don't think blood work is a good sign of anything you know um I think blood work's a good sign if you're in trouble, but I think that like the way that you look and the way that you feel trumps everything as far as like what your health is. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, I I can't tell an acute difference on days that I eat liver or in time periods where I eat liver, and I'm I'm not a, a huge fan of the way it tastes. I mean, I would I prefer the flavor of a ribeye over liver any day. I mean, every once in a while I get I a like for liver. I like what Danny Vega's doing. So he came out with something. I think it's called the Primitive Burger. Burgers. He's coming out with. Yeah, yeah, those so are I good. I do those. A, um, you, you and Danny are pretty tight, right? Yeah, we're like best buds. Yeah. So Danny, um, so he has like Primitive Burger, right? And so um, that's something that I would totally buy, you know, and totally use every day. Like that to me, it's like okay, now you've put it into a hamburger, I'm in. Like you've made it easy for me. 
You know, yeah. you made, you took something that's kind of gross, you made it good and now I'm going to eat it, you know? And that's sort of like the same thing with a keto brick. Like who just goes and eats cacao butter? Nobody, but you've made it into a form that I really like, you know, it's really good, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's, so I'll eat it, you know? And so I think that, um, you know, that's the key with some of these like keto and carnivore foods. And I love that Danny was able to um, make something that's in his world that he will use and hopefully he's able to make a lot of money on it because the thing about making money and I don't think people should ever be embarrassed or have to apologize for it. Um, the thing about making money in this game is because we all are here to help people. Like I know if you make millions of dollars off of keto bricks, you're going to start something that's going to help a lot of people. Like I just know that, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's what most people's hearts are in this for. And if they're in it for the wrong reason, there's very few of them. I think yeah, most I totally really agree. Have, uh, really, really good intentions. I feel like a lot of people, there's a lot of companies coming into the market now to make a quick buck. But I feel like a lot of the, I mean, it, well, it's so apparent. Like it's so apparent. It people way. can tell. Look at it this way. Anything made by a big company, I would say for the most part, don't buy it. I think the only people that, only big company that's ever made anything that was good keto was like Quest. You know, Quest yeah. made those, but then they, they discontinued them, but I think they're going to bring those back. But, um, you know, because Quest is the same thing. Quest was started just like Keto Brick. Like mm -hmm. my friend Ron Penna started Quest. And Ron is one of the smartest guys I know. Him and his wife started it. They blew it up and they sold it for a billion dollars. God bless them. I love those people. And they're some of the nicest people in the world. But Ron is obsessed with curing cancer. So he's literally obsessed with curing cancer and um unsolved mysteries <laughs> those two <laughs> unsolved things mysteries, so like, like amelia Earhart and all that he's he, like he'll he'll come up to me at a booth at like a thing and he'll be like hey i got some information on the amelia Earhart case you know like he's got <laughs> he's always got some shit going on you know um that he wants he always wants me to make a documentary about it and actually it was him that started me on this path back to keto so i was at my ex-girlfriend lauren She's a DJ and she works a lot with Quest. So she was DJing at the Arnold and I was walking around the booths and Ron, he comes over and he grabs me, come here, I need to talk to you. And he's never needed to talk to me before. You know, like it's always been like, hey, what's up, man? He's like, no, I really need to talk to you. And he pulls me aside to tell me about all this research they're doing at Quest with cancer and the ketogenic diet. And he's like, we started this thing. It's called Epigenics. Epi, you know, Epigenics is like we started a... Uh, this uh this farm down in texas with all these dogs on it that have cancer yeah. we have like 44 dogs most of them are getting better it's amazing what's going on down there so i started following that keto pet sanctuary thing and seeing all these dogs getting cured of cancer going like wait a second what's up with this keto diet i just thought it was lose weight you know and when i started finding out that there was all these other benefits from it and i was kind of like on the inside because i you know i knew all these guys that's how i was able to get in touch with Dom D'Agostino and get in touch with a lot of these other people was through Quest. And, um, you know, just seeing all the benefits of keto and what it had from a scientific point of view, especially like being at the top with like the top people that were researching it. To me, it was so fascinating that I was like, I got to dive back into this. This is like way too interesting. And you don't see that shit with any other diet. You don't ever see anybody go, oh, yeah. And then it went on flexible dieting and they cured their cancer. You don't see that, <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying that keto is a cure for cancer, but I have seen keto help people with cancer 
shrink their tumors, get better, stay alive. Like I interviewed a guy, it's on a YouTube channel that I have called Keto Strong. I interviewed a guy named Christopher Quancard who got uh, a tumor cut out of the side of his head. He's got a big dent in the side of his head. He got a tumor cut out of the side of his head. And um, when he when that happened, he was 330 pounds. Now he weighs about 180. He went on keto. The doctors are like, we don't know if we can save you because this thing's all, we got the main part of the tumor out, but it's all tangled in your brain. There's no way to get out these other little pieces. It's just going to grow again and come back. And they were really fearful of it. Well, guess what? His whole tumor disappeared about three years ago, completely, completely gone. They use like the ultimate, I don't know what you call it, spectrometry test or something to, to go in there and like look microscopically to see if there's any bit of cancer left in the guy's head and there's zero. And that guy's been on CNN. He's been on, you know, all sorts of stuff. And when you see that, you go like, okay, well, we don't ever want to say this is a cure for cancer. We never want to go there, right, with these things because it gives people false hope and false promises. But what we do want to say is like, if you have cancer, you better take a look at this. And if you're not, it's kind of stupid, you know? And so when you look at um, things like, for example, we have people in our own family with type 2 diabetes. And I can say for a fact that we know the cure. We know the cure. Mm -hmm. It's a joke. I mean, a carnivore diet will cure type 2 diabetes. You just have to be willing to do it. That's the bottom line. You have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing to be strict. And when you look at, um, you know, some things like that, that are like it's that easy, easy to fix. But yet people in my family, they don't believe us because Mark and I are meatheads. They don't believe us and they won't do it. And you're like, that's, that's okay, so you'd rather thing, take metformin. What's that? That's the saddest thing, like having family, because I've had the same thing. I've got family members that like scoff at anything that I say about keto, and it's like they just keep getting unhealthier and unhealthier, and it's like they just don't listen. So like it's 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 terrible, man. Like you got family, I got family, everybody's got family. They like you want to help them because you know what will help them, and it's like they just don't yeah. want to hear it. There they are. They're looking at you. You're in great shape. You know they're smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer, telling you like like your diet's stupid. You know, yeah. you're like, how, how is this possible? You know, like, and so, you know, that's just the things I see all the time. It's like, it's so hard to help people that are, you know, in your own family. My mom has a lot of issues uh, with her health and we had her on a keto diet for quite a long time, but she just falls back into the same problems. You know, I think, you know, that one of the number one things is um, just people's appetites. We've been, we've wired ourselves to now, um, enjoy these, you know, sweet, crunchy, salty, fatty foods, you know, mm -hmm. and we're, we're wired that way and we need those things. And, um, I don't, people don't think that they can get along, you know, without them. I mean, even people like on carnivore, I've told somebody about like type two diabetes things. And guy was like, well, I can't get rid of my rice. I'm like, like rice is your thing. Like that's not even hard to get rid of. You know what I mean? Like I, I could see, you know, like sugar addiction is tough, but you know, the guy's addicted to rice. So like, come on, we, we have such, I was like, to just make your shit with cauliflower rice. It's like, oh, that's disgusting. I'm like, well, rice has no flavor. It, rice is nothing. <laughs> There's nothing in it, you know? It blows so, my mind, man, the things that people are not willing to sacrifice and the, the things that they want to keep in their life to omit what's better for them. Like, I just don't get like I don't understand that thought process. Like, I would eat dirt if I knew it was yeah. going to make me better as a businessman, as an athlete. Like, I would do whatever it takes. 
And you know why, what I'm like, mad about? people just I'm don't mad do about that. Coffee. I wish I so I can't get rid of coffee, but I could. But I feel like I coffee's something to do. Like it's just something to do. I could go to the coffee shop. And the, and the thing is, like, I'm I I have gotten rid of coffee before, but it sort of takes like uh, like I like going to the coffee shop, sitting there. I get on my social media. I drink a coffee. I do my stuff. But I want to be drinking like bone broth. But I don't know yeah. anywhere. There's nowhere around here that sell like. I want coffee shops to be start selling shit like bone broth. Like, why don't they? It'd be so easy. I know like Bulletproof Coffee in Santa Monica, they do. And I used to go there and sit there and I would sit bone broth and do my work, you know, rather than drinking coffee. Um, but, you know, those are those are things like I got to do on my own. Now. It's like it just makes it I, I like convenience. The, the more convenient yeah. shit is, you know, so like, yeah, I'm. I'm like willing to give up coffee, but it's just been like a fixture in my life that I, I probably should get rid of. Um, but then again, like, I don't know if it has that many detrimental side effects, but who knows with arthritis and everything else that I've got, if that would help me even more, you know, because pretty much uh, one thing I, I didn't say is uh, I have arthritis really, really bad. You know, I wake mm -hmm. up and everything hurts, everything aches, you know, I'm, and I still, I still do powerlifting, um, but everything hurts when I wake up. And, um, you know, on a carnivore diet, that's gone down significantly to the point where at least I can function better now. You know, um, the other day was my birthday and we did, um, we did, I turned 47. So we did 47 reps on deadlifts, trap bar deadlifts with a uh, 405. And uh, nice. it was like, um, it was like a, you go, I go, you go, I go. So it was me, Dr. Baker, and it was four other guys. So it was six people all together. Um, only three of us made it all the way through. But at the very end of it, I was like still going strong. So on my last set, I did it like the last single I pulled. I did a set of 10. Then Baker did a set of 12. And so then I went back and did a set of 10. And then at the end of that, he was like, I'm done. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> dude, we were toasted. I mean, it took about an hour, hour and 20 minutes to get through the whole thing. Cause it was just like singles and singles are a lot harder than, you know, than doing like consent, you know, banging out 10, resting a couple minutes, banging out 10. Um, so it was pretty brutal, man. But I was actually being in the amount of pain that I was in a couple years ago and being able to complete that workout to me is just incredible. You know, if people saw me two years ago and then they saw me complete that workout, they'd be like, there's no way that's the same guy, you know? And that to me is where all the inspiration comes in. That's some, to me where like people need to look at that and say, wait a second, all this guy really did was changed one thing in his life. He went from eating kind of whatever to just eating meat. And when he went to just eating meat, all these things changed, you know, and it's really that simple. It's crazy that a diet, I mean, I guess lifestyle would be a better term for it, but it's crazy that a nutritional protocol can have such a profound impact on so many more facets of your life than just how you feel. I mean, like you think about, like I think I think about this a lot actually. Like I've got this this diet, this keto diet. It's for one, totally changed the way I feel. But for two, it's given my life a sense of purpose. It's built a sense of community around these group of people. I mean, you and I are having a conversation right now, largely in part of a nutritional protocol that we both follow. I mean, how crazy is that, man? Yeah, it's it's wild, man. I it's hard for me to believe, you know, when people start saying like when even when Dr. Baker told me like, hey, it's, it'll help your arthritis. I was kind of like, whatever. He doesn't know, you know, 
he doesn't he doesn't know how much pain I'm in. Um, but you know, he's an orthopedic surgeon. He's been doing this forever. And, um, I just said, well, I'll stick with it. I'll see if, you know, if it kind of works and, you know, lo and behold, it works. I don't know. Um, no, like, so I, I have done carnivore diet where I've eaten nothing but meat. And I did that for maybe about the first two months. And, um, I can't say that I felt any better than, um, and then I did World Carnivore Month, like all last year, where it was just mm-hmm. carnivore. There was nothing else in my diet <clears throat> at that time, and haven't felt like substantially better. So I don't know that there's any difference in the 90% carnivore to the 100% carnivore. It's really hard to tell. You know, in my head, every time I get a little ache or pain, I'm like, oh, maybe that's coffee. Maybe that's the cheese. You know, like the couple little things. Because I, I don't know, I'm still mixed on whether or not um, – you know, dairy should be part of the carnivore diet. Still kind of yeah. like up in the air on that all the time. And um, I, you know, look, I always think not, you know, I always think like, well, what makes more sense? It makes more sense to cut things out than it does to add them in um, for the most part. Um, but, you know, dairy has some, there are some good benefits to, to dairy. Um, but mainly the only reason dairy is in there is just because I like it, you know, it's not oh. in there because I need it in there because i like it and it's not in there a lot but yeah like there's cheese and there's heavy cream and and things like that and butter you know i don't drink any milk because it's got carbs but all the you know low carb high fat dairy you know it's part of my diet yeah i mean for me personally like i like the the vast basis of my food is all red meat and then i'll incorporate things like some dairy or a keto brick or mct oil or something to manipulate my ratios based off of what my goals are. So like if I was to eat just meat, hundred percent meat, I would not have as much flexibility with regard to manipulating my macros to reach a certain goal. Whereas I feel like having that, those other options that the other variables there, it just gives me more leverage to pull to reach a, a goal more efficiently, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. What, what does it look like for you? Like in a day? So I can tell you what my exact macros are now. I started my competition prep on Monday and I'm currently eating. I'll tell you exactly. Let me pull up my macro tracker here. Um, so I have two coffees in the morning that consist of uh, two total scoops of MCT oil, so two tablespoons, and then six total tablespoons of heavy cream split between two coffees. Uh, first meal, half a keto brick, two eggs, uh, an ounce of liverwurst sausage. I am a fan of that stuff. Liverwurst sausage is amazing. Uh, eight ounces of ground beef, tablespoon of ghee, and then I have a bone broth uh, at some point throughout the day. And I have venison, so I hunt. So I, I have a lot of really lean venison. Um, so I'll yeah. have that because it's super nutrient-dense, but I want to fatten that up. So I'll have my other half of a keto brick with a can of cod liver and then a small container of Kalina yogurt, which is, I think, a coconut-based yogurt. And that's yeah, pretty you much like it. you like that uh, cod liver, huh? I heard that's good. Somebody said it. Uh, Danny, I think, says it's pretty. It tastes pretty good. Yeah, it tastes pretty good. Like it, it looks disgusting. I opened it up for the first time. I'm like, I don't want to eat that, but then I actually ate it, and the the texture's very unique. Like I like it. Um, and I take the oil that's in that can, and then I drain that into the bone broth, so that the bone broth is fattier. That whole meal is fattier because cod liver is incredibly yeah. fatty. Um, but you know, I mean, like my amazing. ratio, mixing some egg yolks into uh, bone broth is really good. Yeah, egg yolks it are turns, amazing. It turns almost it turns almost into like noodles when you mix uh 
you know, egg yolks, you just drop them in and then you kind of like, you kind of like whisk them with a fork. They turn into mm-hmm. like almost like having like egg drop soup or something. It's pretty damn good. So like hot bone broth, you just have hot bone broth, you heat it yeah. up and just drop an egg in there? Yep. Yep. Drop, drop a couple eggs in there. So whip it up. It gives you some fat because the bone broth doesn't really have much fat in it, you know? Yeah. I'll give that I've a tried shot. to put like, I've tried to put like MCT oil in it and stuff and it turns into like an oil slick and then, uh, comes out the other end pretty fast too so stop doing the mct oil in there yeah you gotta be pretty careful with that mct oil you put too much of that in there and you'll be running to the bathroom pretty quick yeah that you know one thing um it's funny because on this diet you know we we're self-experimenters all of us you know we try things so i tried um mixing uh like too much of brain octane oil into Mm -hmm. my um too much brain octane oil brain octane oil into my like shake or whatever it was and i literally ended up going to the hospital i went to the emergency room because um, uh, for my what? stomach just like seized up like it just I, i've never had so much pain in my life and then all they did was give me like xanax and like to calm me down and then i fell asleep and then i woke up and i was okay <laughs> what how many how many tablespoons of brain octane did you put in there it might have been like it might have only been like two like a double dose like like instead of doing like one, it was like two tablespoons, maybe. And it just it just destroyed me. I was That's like, oh crazy, my god, man. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, I have no. I, it's just I have a pretty sensitive uh, stomach, and so it just destroyed me. Mm, well, I'm I would done. definitely not be doing that, and I don't want to be in the hospital. Yeah. yeah so just take the recommended dosage, you know, for sure. I've got a got a question for you, man. What is your take sure. on this whole? Uh, I feel like within the keto slash carnivore space, there's this constant controversy between having like a higher protein-based protocol versus higher fat, like a traditional keto-based protocol. And I feel like there's respectable people on both sides with reasonable arguments. So I'm curious to to get what your take is on it because you've played around a little bit of both. Yeah, you know, look, look, if you want to get leaner, I mean, there's just no doubt. If you want to get leaner, eat higher protein. You just do, you know? That's like, if you want to get leaner and more muscular, that's, that's how you do it. It's been around forever, you know? Um, so that's, that's my take on it. Um, however, it's hard to stay full, you know, it's hard to stay satisfied. Um, so you have to have, it's, there's a, there's a fine line. I think, um, you have to have enough fat, you know, but I think if you're trying to go for like a leaner physique and you're trying to do more bodybuilding, I think cranking up the protein is a good idea. However, I also should say that, like, I think it's a good idea to stay on this diet long term. So um, unless you're going to compete, unless you're going to do anything, um, you know, if you're going to go do something or you have to get in shape for something, then I would say keep your fat high. You know, I, I don't think there's any reason for you to be trying to get lean unless you have a specific reason to do it. But if your goal is overall to get lean for the rest of your life, you're probably actually better staying a little bit higher fat because you'll stay on the diet longer. You know, you want to sustain the diet. You don't want to, um, you know, you don't want to force yourself off because that, you know, having a high protein can really sort of turn you off to the diet and turn you off to eating meat and stuff like that. So I think like, I think it's good to change it up, you know? Uh, I don't think it's great to eat high protein all the time. Um, and I don't think it's great to eat high fat all the time. I just think it's kind of good to mix it up. And I think your body naturally, 
you know, balances things out as well. Um, I just like to make sure I get in a certain amount of protein a day. And I don't think you need any more than that, you know? So I don't think like overeating protein necessarily does anything good for you, but yeah. it doesn't do any, you know, it doesn't, it's not going to do anything uh, negative and your body's just, you're going to be a little bit more thermogenic and just burn that. Um, so like, you know, I would say like, if you're trying to get lean, eat more protein, if you're on in this for the long haul, make sure that you eat enough fat so that you don't cheat and you don't go off the diet. I mean, I think compliance is the key. And as long as you're complying, um, you're going to be okay. And also like, I think people should be in this for the long term. You know, I got on this with the intent of like, okay, I'm going to eat no carbs for a couple of weeks and I'm going to get shredded, you know? And then, you know, weeks later, I'm not shredded years later and I'm not shredded. You know, what is it? What do I got to do? All I got to do is just stay on it long term. That was the key. Um, I've tried every iteration of the diet. I've tried it with organ meats. I've tried it without organ meats. I've tried it every way. And I just think it's simple. Just red meat and water. Eat till you're full. It works, you know, just like that. And uh, if you want to have a couple little things here and there on the side, that's great. Um, like I said, if you're not trying to get leaner, I think you should just stick with a higher fat content because it just helps you stick to the diet. Um, but you also want to make sure that, uh, you know, some people say, well, don't ever weigh yourself. And I'm like, yeah, don't ever weigh yourself, but, you know, weigh yourself and, and stay accountable. If you're not losing any weight, if you're not losing any body fat, you know, it's like, then, I, then again, like, what's your goal? Do you want to lose weight or do you want to lose fat? If you just want to lose yeah. fat, then check your body fat, you know? And it's like, I think a lot of people have the wrong uh, idea of what they're trying to do. Cause a lot of people say to me, you know, Hey, I want to, um, you know, I've been on carnivore. I, I haven't lost any weight. And I said, well, like I've been on it for like three weeks and I haven't lost any weight. And I said, well, good luck. I've been on it for two years and I haven't lost a pound. Like I literally haven't lost a pound. I weighed 200 when I started, I weigh 200 now, but, but the, composition's my, improved. I cut, yeah, I cut my body fat completely in half. And to me, that's like really important. And it doesn't mean that I lost weight. I maintained muscle and lost a lot of fat, you know? And so I think that that's, that's important. And the way I did that was just intuitively. Like I've never counted anything. I've never tracked anything. I would just eat until I'm full, you know, and uh, eat when I'm hungry. And that's sort of it. It's been that simple. Um, I've trained really hard the whole time. I walk every day. I walk after I eat. Usually I do like a 10 minute walk after I eat, which will cut your blood sugar in half. That can be really helpful for a lot of people, but I don't do any sort of like intermittent fasting. I do intermittent fasting by default. So like I hardly eat and I don't wake up and eat, eat, eat. I basically eat twice a day, but by default, that's intermittent fasting. So people are like, do you do intermittent fasting? Like, oh, I don't try, but it obviously happens. It happens to you too. If you're just eating twice a day and you're not snacking, you're intermittent fasting. Yeah, hundred percent. But I don't try 100%. to incorporate it, you know. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, it's just, it's just kind of what works best on my schedule. How I feel like I'm not hungry when I first wake up. Like, I don't want to eat. I train when I first wake up, and I don't like training with a big belly full of food. Yeah, I don't like to eat in the morning at all. I used to, I used to kind of dig it. And now it's like, man, I, I just, I don't want to eat till like at least noon, you know. Yeah, totally. But I do like, I do like a little bit of coffee in the morning. A little coffee, MCT. And um, so I guess that kind of is eating, but it just sort of, uh, that gives me something so I don't get any hunger pangs or anything like that in the morning, you know? 
Yeah, plus, I mean, like, like we were saying earlier, coffee's, I like coffee. I don't feel like coffee's got a net negative effect. I feel like there are some pros and some cons to coffee, but I'm not convinced that it's something that I should try to get out of my diet, or else I probably would. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I go back and forth on so many things, and I think the bottom line is that we're all just a little bit crazy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're all just a little bit nuts, and so... We keep going back and forth. Like I, I'm still not convinced, you know, that that coffee isn't the uh, culprit. I'm still not convinced that like dairy is not the culprit until I pull it out and I gotta like see for myself is that the problem, you know? Um, but I find it's 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 hard to tell because even like when you pull it out, you tend to go a little stricter on things, you know. So it's like, yeah, is it's... it because I'm going stricter or is it because I got rid of dairy? Totally, and it's funny too because like a lot of it's easy to kind of like find yourself agreeing with the social norms of like just group think like everybody says this is bad or this is good. So you find yourself kind of agreeing that way. But I don't know, like the more you dig into kind of doing something counter to what everybody else is doing, you might find something that you never, never thought you would have. Like for instance, I, I do a very high fat relative to protein intake, even when I'm cutting and I can get down to three and a half percent body fat with my protein being very low. So that's completely counter to what most people are saying. What, what's very low for you? I mean, I got down to 65 grams of protein a day at the end of my last prep. Yeah. See, when I did that, I was, uh, that's when I looked shitty when I was skinny really? fat, you know, cause I was doing too much, uh, you know, I was doing, doing too much. Um, well, I, I got skinny fat. I was, I was doing too much fat and not enough protein. I was doing like really low protein. So that's, that's basically like that got kind of got me into a fa- place where I didn't like my physique, but that was going kind of long term doing it, you know, going for a couple months of, of doing that. And yeah, so you gotta, um, you I gotta just tweak like the way it. That I looked. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta kind of be super gradual with it. Like I don't, I don't go that low protein for very long. Like I, I start, you know, at a moderate, like I'll, like for this prep, for instance, I'm going to start at about 155 grams of protein. I'm going to titrate it up to about 200 grams of protein a day. And then I'll start slowly titrating it down until right there at the end of my prep, like peak week, I'll be around, you know, somewhere between 60 and 80 grams. But that's not what I'm sustaining when, the entirety of the When's prep. your next show? When's this show coming up? Uh, so I haven't nailed down a specific show. I've got I've got one in April that I'm going to do for sure, but there's a couple. I'm probably going to do several, honestly. I don't recommend doing several shows normally, but I think I'm going to kind of be a hypocrite and do that because I don't do shows every year. I always recommend people take a couple years off in between shows, and that's what I've done. So yeah. I'm going to really capitalize on this period of cutting down and do do several shows. But it'll all be like in that you know summer months time frame. That's awesome, man. I'd love to see what you do for your shows, so hopefully you'll be posting that stuff. Oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna document everything. Like it's, I've got a very unique protocol. I don't feel like, I mean, I I didn't have a coach when I made the protocol. I just kind of experimented and figured out what worked really well for me, and I've been able to replicate it with myself and clients. So like, I'm excited to to document what my protocol is like because it's very different than anything else I've seen out there. But it freaking works, and I'm excited to get freaking yeah. shredded. I'd actually like to try what you're doing because um, that's one of the problems I've had. Is like I've gotten pretty lean. But I still have like a little bit of lower, be- you know, belly fat that I'm trying to get rid of, a little bit of loose skin. That's something like we talk about all the time. Like, would fasting be good for loose skin and blah? And that's like some people say yes, some people say no. It's like there's all all these like controversies. So you just got to try shit till you figure it out for yourself. I think that's the bottom line, right? Totally. 
totally. And it, it doesn't happen with any one set. Like, for instance, you know, every time you cycle through a building phase and a cutting phase, you improve your body's starting point and ending point each time you cycle through. So, like, the first time you go through it, you're not going to have the end goal physique. But by going through it, you're going to be setting yourself up for more success the next time you go through it. So it's just like this constant, continual, you know, improvement factor. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, listen, I gotta, I gotta run because I gotta do this. Um, I gotta do Bruce Buffer's podcast in a minute. He's about to call me. Um, you know, Bruce Buffer, UFC. I do not, but I'll definitely uh, yeah, find out and get a hold of him. He's the, uh, he's the guy. It's time. <laughs> he's like the ring announcer for uh, UFC. So I gotta. I'll run and do his podcast, but it was awesome to talk to you, brother. Yeah, man, for sure. Let's definitely keep in touch. Where where can people go to find out more about you? Um, they can just go to at Big Strong Fast and follow me on Instagram. That's where like most of my stuff is, and they pretty much can find anything from there. Awesome, brother. Well, hey, man, always a pleasure. We'll be in touch. I'm gonna come up there and see you. You got to come down here to Arkansas and see me, and we'll make it happen, man. Can't wait, man. See you, brother. All right, brother. We'll talk soon, man.